Uh, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Let's just uh, let's pray for me. Father, I, I, I offer myself to you and uh, Lord, uh, I pray that you would um, enable me to speak your word out. Lord, we pray for wisdom, for the words that we've spoken. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just take me and that, Lord, you would speak your word through me today. I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and that, Lord, we would be edified and built up as your kingdom and your body and your people, that you may be glorified and your kingdom may progress and expand and have influence in this whole community in this peninsula in Jesus' name. Amen. I just wanted to note one thing before we started to think about that passage. And one, that one thing is that we're not talking about the process of salvation in that verse. This is not how we come to faith in Christ through this process of denying ourselves, taking up a cross daily and following him. The, the idea of this passage is that that presupposes we already are believers in Christ. Jesus, in this passage, has uh, sent the 12 out and they've cast out demons and they've healed people. And then uh, a bit further on in that chapter in Luke 9, um, he's, the, uh, the 5,000 have been fed. There's all these uh, believers involved. And in many sense, I think this is like the PDS statement. This is the product disclosure. You're all sort of hearing my words. You're encouraged by the message. You're encouraged by um, seeing these healings. But you need to know that there's an expense that goes with it. Disciples, sometimes I think, um, I think I understand it because I grew up in the church. But then sometimes I think, do I really understand it? So... I've sort of, um, you know, read a bit about that over the time and really, um, probably for me, the, the closest equivalent that makes complete sense to me is being an apprentice. I've done a trade. I'm a sheet metal worker by trade. And um, you get put with a tradesman and you spend four years under his tutelage. You go off to classes and you learn some stuff and it's, it's in your head. But a, an apprenticeship is, is actually working in the trade working with the steel, learning how to weld, learning how to not to slice your fingers off. Because there's, there's one thing I've noticed about sheep metal workers over the years is that not many have ten, well, eight fingers and two thumbs left in their entirety. It's really easy to take a good slice and uh, there was a couple of close calls with my fingers, I can tell you now, in the time I worked as a tradesman. But this idea of being a disciple of Jesus is saying is you've got to get in the trenches with me. This is not something you just go to a classroom and learn about. It's not a head knowledge, but it's a let's, let's journey together. And he says you need to really, he's saying, you need to see my life. This is what I'm exampling to you. This is what I'm Sharing with you. This is who I am. And you need to be my apprentice. And so I think Jesus calls us to be his apprentices. 
I think uh, Steve mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the church at Antioch and them being called Christians or, or little Christs. And that's just a great image, isn't it? It's a, for us to be little Jesuses. I know when my children were young, and they're a bit older now, and to the fact that I now have one granddaughter who's nine months old and crawling around the house. When the kids were young, you would walk along the beach and um, the kids weren't beside you all of a sudden, so you looked back and there are your kids that are at six years old going, (laughs) trying to step in your steps. Make the distance. So I'm a bit of a tease. So I'd run around in circles and go down towards the water as the wave went out and then come back out of the way and they'd be running into it as the water was coming up and it'd catch them out. Jesus wants us to walk in his footsteps. As apprentices to him, we walk in his footsteps. There's a fellow named Ken Blanchard. He's an author and management expert, um, written a couple of big books. He's got a few good quotes, but this is one of my favourites. And I'll just preface it by saying that every time I've shared it, the people I share it with don't, don't like it. So it's okay if you don't like it. It's quite uh, confronting. Trying is just a noisy way of not doing something. Trying is just a noisy way of not doing something. He goes on to sort of uh, fill that out. He says, you know, a person who's committed to a morning walk or a morning run, whatever it might be, in that sense of exercise, that's the example he uses, they just get it done. They're committed to it. Um, For those of us maybe a bit more like me, um, you wake up in the morning, get ready and uh, open the door and go, might just go a little bit later. (laughs) I'll wait till it warms up a bit. Um, Or, oh, I really need to read this article. Or we allow other things to just hinder us and get in the way. We can sort of make that commitment as such in our head but we never really get to it because we allow other things to to get in the way and trip us up. We allow things to become obstacles and we can spend a lot of time saying, I'm trying to get onto that new diet or I'm trying to get to that exercise or I'm trying to get out and play more golf or I'm trying to... Trying is just a noisy way of not doing something. I'd like to consider for a moment Jesus in the garden. It says, uh, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Um, As you can see, this is Jesus in the garden, sort of just before he's going to be arrested and crucifixion is coming along. And he's aware of what's before him. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Father, please take it from me. But not my will, but yours be done. 
And that second time, if it can't be taken away, give me the strength to see it through. Give me the strength to see it through. You see, Jesus wasn't into the cross. He didn't approach that with joy and pleasure. He was into the Father. Personally, he was saying, I don't want to do this. We need to hear his words. He says, Father, can you take this from me? Yet, not my will. We need to hear that. His, his will would be, this doesn't happen. Not my will, but yours be done. As disciples of Jesus, we aren't here for ourselves. That's what Jesus is saying. We are defined by our commitment to choosing God over all things, over all people. In uh, Joshua chapter 5, a couple of verses there I'll read for you. I think this is fantastic. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This is the people of Israel. They're going to attack Jericho. God's told them, I'm giving you this land. So Joshua's crossed the river with the people. This man's in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, I'm not here to fight for you, and I'm not here to fight for that enemy. I'm here at the direction of God. I'm not on your agenda. I'm not on their agenda. I'm on God's agenda. When Jesus says to us to deny ourselves, it's about us getting off our agenda or their agenda, our loved ones' agendas, and getting on God's agenda. What is God's desire in this situation? What is God's desire in this event? You can fill the gap in there. It may be another thing for you. What is God's desire in? Not what's my desire, not what somebody else's desire is. Us trying to live up to expectations of other people. What does God want in this moment? How does God want me to be in this event? So those couple of questions I just leave on your mind. How is God stretching you? How is God challenging you? Do we allow ourselves to hear those words spoken to us? Do we allow ourselves to get into those moments and give God permission to speak? And say to us, Andrew, I don't want that. What I want is, I want this in this situation. I want you to speak this word. I want you to be this presence. I want you to take this care. 
I want you to hold this person up. Do we allow God the moment to speak? As disciples, we take risks. It's okay to fail. Um, I mentioned my little granddaughter. She's nine months old yesterday. I was hoping she would be here this morning because she's actually at home, but last night she didn't really sleep. And uh, so she just had a bad night. That happens. Happens to all of us, not just nine months old. What I wanted to sort of mention was I wanted to sort of show you Holly and say she's nine months old and then ask you to consider what would you be thinking if I said she was actually five? Now you would look at her and go, and you may not say it to me, you probably wouldn't, but something's wrong. If she's five, she should have more teeth. If she's five, she should be speaking. If she's five, she should be bigger. If, if she's five, there's, there's something wrong with this image and this picture. I suppose what I'm trying to say is we, we, we need to grow up as people. As disciples of Christ, we need to grow. We can't just cross the line. Well, we can. We can. The scripture tells us that we're saved by grace. And this is a gift of God. Our, our position before God is secure. Because we've called on the name of Jesus. That's what the scripture tells us. But are we, are we a 10-year-old Christian, but really just a three-month-old in how we've grown as a Christian in that time? One thing I'd learned as an apprentice was that, uh, and just in life, is that I'm confronted all the time with things I, I don't know how to do. And we need to take that learner perspective, that learner attitude and saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know quite how to manage that. It's okay for us to sort of try things and fail. It's okay to fall down and scrape our knees and get back up. Um... For me, one of the things that I've grown at is being able to do this. Uh, when I was younger, and I don't mean a teenager, I mean in my 20s, if I was in just a, a small group praying and they were praying out loud and you know, everyone was praying around the circle, as it was getting towards me, my heart raced and my head throbbed and I stopped hearing what people were praying about because I was absolutely freaking out because I was going to have to speak out loud in this group of people and, and people would be listening to me. I would be the one people were listening to. And I was terrified of that. Then um, at, I did my trade course. At the end of my trade course, I was asked to do a speech of thanks for the teachers at our TAFE. And um, it was a big, big night, big event. And I turned around to speak and my mouth was dry, and my throat was dry, and nothing was going to come out. And in God's grace and blessing, my, um, my mum and dad were at the event, 
And mum was right, right at the back. And as I tried to speak and nothing came out. Um, my mum's lovely, but uh, well, she's passed away now. But she's louder than life. As I try to speak, I hear from the back, Andrew, we can't hear you. <laughs> that didn't make sense. So he said, she said, Andrew, I can't hear you. <laughs> and uh, so in that moment, I just went, that's my mum. <laughs> and everyone started laughing at her. It was so great because all the attention was on her and I could do my little speech and get out of the way. <laughs> and then I was asked to do a communion at, uh, at our church many years ago by Paul Cameron. He was our pastor in Sydney. And uh, I'd said, fine. And uh, a few hundred people at church and I was okay. I sat in the front row looking and, oh, yeah, the place is half empty. Great God, you answered my prayers. And... Uh, communion came, I turned, got up and turned around and the place was packed and seriously I, I started to hyperventilate just about things started to go black I couldn't see people I was just so terrified, luckily I had the words in my mind and I could just recite them because I, I just couldn't see people, everything just blacked over and I, I was about to black out I think I was so scared In Bible college, the uh, first year, you you know you do preaching um, courses, and with all of them, you've got to take like a little evaluation sheet as a student, and you give it to the minister you're placed with. Give it to Steve. These half a dozen sheets of evaluation, and then the idea is that he just gives them to half a dozen people in church, just random people, and you stand up at the front and you go. I wonder who's got the sheet. <laughs> and you feel terrified. And so my first message, I'd given him those sheets, I had it all ready, and we were in a church plant, and I was terrified. Because all these people were going to be sitting listening, but there was going to be six people actually writing notes about me and, and scoring me on scales about how it all went so that the college could know how you were going. The song before I got up was this. I'm your child, I give my life to you. Wholly available, faithful and true. And in my life, let your life be seen so that the world may know that I am your child. Take me, Lord, I am your child. Send me, Lord, set my heart on fire. I'm your child. Take me, Lord, and use me with all my failings and inadequacies. I'm your child. You know, I stood up after that song nervous, but knowing I wasn't alone. God walked with me. You know, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. We don't learn anything without feeling uncomfortable. We don't learn anything without, you know, dropping to our knees and scratching them. And a few tears are passed. It's okay to not know everything. We are learners, apprentices being led into opportunities we don't have the skills to handle. We like to feel in control, able. Sometimes it's hard to say, how do I do this? 
where denying ourselves includes giving up that sense of self-sufficiency. It's about putting us in that learner place, asking others for guidance and support. And then Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. And it's important for us to notice that it says, your cross. That each of us have a cross to bear. Each of us have a part to play. Everyone has a part to play and everyone has to play their part. That's it, I think. And this challenge isn't just for others. Philippians 2 tells us, it's got these words, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus says, follow my example. Do what I've done. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. Do what I've done. Be my apprentices. Learn from me. Daily go to those places where we're uncomfortable, where we don't feel in control, where daily we're stretched and challenged, where daily we learn to trust God, where daily we learn reliance upon him. We see in our church there's uh, you know, people involved in the coach program, um, the breakfast clubs, maybe some people that teach RE. But it's not just about a sort of bigger events. It could be just helping a neighbour. <coughs> Taking up our cross could be coping with the rude person down at the shopping centre. And, you know, within us, maybe our natural response would be to give them a piece of our mind back. Or maybe our natural response would be to just get out of the situation because we just don't cope with that sense of confrontation. Taking up our cross, you know, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, may just mean in that situation saying, Lord, my natural response is to yell back at them or my natural response is to just get lost. But Lord, in this moment, in this time, with this person, how can I be Christ? And it may be that God actually says to you and you're the person who wants to run away, you know what, you need to just pull them up on it in a gentle way. You can't allow, allow this person to be like that. You need to speak my word into their life because I've got something for you to say on my behalf. And it's a word in time. It's a prophetic word that will lay challenge upon their heart. And we need to deny ourselves that desire to get out, to flee, and in that moment stay. Or it may be that our natural desire would be to just go, well, you're an idiot and you should shut up. But really what we need to say is, God loves you. Maybe in that moment we need to show them grace. See, discipleship for me is an attitude. It's a, it's a posture. It's a mindset. It's a, it's a worldview. 
It is us getting out of our own way so God can work through us to impact our world. So Christ is saying to us, get out of my way. Allow me to work in your life. Put yourself into these situations that you find challenging and speak my word and be my person. That the kingdom may be grown. That I may be known. That people may experience love that maybe haven't experienced love before. That people can see my grace. That people can experience my mercy. Because they don't know about it. There is a, a story uh, in one of my books at home, um, and it's from quite some time back, a few centuries back. Um, a, a young fellow had been broken the law, he'd been arrested by the king, and his mother had lobbied the king to get an audience with him. And she persisted and persisted and persisted to the point that she actually got that moment before the king. And he said, how can I help you? And she said, this is my son. This is the crime he's committed. You have him in jail. He's, you know, set down for execution. I plead for mercy for him. And the king said, but look at what he's done. He doesn't deserve mercy. She said, well, if, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. God asks us not to respond to events and situations from a human perspective, from a human point of view, but he asks us to show mercy and grace and tolerance and love and challenge, but in love. That his kingdom may be built. Let's pray. Father, um, these are really hard words to hear. That verse, deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the strength, the persistence, the humility to hear those words and obey. I pray that we would choose to be your apprentices, that we would want to grow in our lives as Christians, that we would be mature, that we would be able to lead others to you, that, Lord, your kingdom may flourish, that your glory would be seen, that people would come to know you, that people would be set free of the bondage that they're caught in, that they would be released from the burdens that they have, that their eyes would be opened, that their ears would be cleared, and that they would hear your voice, they would see your love, and they would declare your grace and your mercy before the heavens. In Jesus' name, amen.